Hello, friends, and welcome again to the podcast. I am Daniel Day, your host, and today I am joined with Pastor Alan Baker. How are you, sir? Doing well, thanks. Appreciate uh, the chance to be on with you again today, Pastor. Uh, welcome back. It's a joy to have you. Our last conversation was so meaningful, and I'm really grateful to have you back again on the podcast. As we get started, please open us up with a word of prayer. Sure. Father, we thank you, first of all, for your son. We thank you for Jesus. He is life, life, eternal life abundant. We look forward to life eternal with you. But Lord, that eternal life is so eternal, it's abundant today in us. We walk in that life today. And not alone, our, our faith in you is, it's an individual faith, it's not private. We get to share it together. We get to walk it together. We get to be encouraged by each other. And I look forward to that today. I've come not so much to give as to receive from my brother and Lord, our time with you. So I pray now like two Emmaus Road disciples, you will join our journey and cause whatever we share together to be fired by your spirit. That might be a blessing to others and to us as well. Thank you, Father, for your son. This time together, we ask us in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. For those of you just joining us, we are with the founder of Journey Pastoral Coaching, Pastor Alan Baker. And today's topic of discussion is burnout in ministry, burnout in ministry, what it means, what it looks like, uh, how to uh, examine yourself and evaluate whether or not you're going through it. And most of all, some preemptive things we can do to avoid it. Uh, Pastor Baker, talk to us a little bit about journey pastoral coaching, because I know that this subject is is very near and dear to your heart and part of the reason why you started it. Right. Uh, I was at Central Bible College, member of the faculty and uh, campus pastor. Go Spartan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and as I was walking with these students, I saw uh, the quality of these men and women of God, and I saw their callings. And I also saw around me, my peers, many who had burned out our topic today, many had left the ministry due to what I call hits. You know, ministry is not an easy life. It's a very fulfilling one in many ways, but it's not an easy life. It's full of hits. And I thought of a world in need of Jesus. I thought of a church in need of strong shepherds and other ministries in need of strong leaders. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And God prompted me that now that I have gray hair, what's left of it, my role was really to step behind them, you know, to put my ego aside, step behind them and let them step forward. And I realized I had something to give them. Now, that can be an ego thing if you let it. But for me, it was a humbling thing. I can step behind them and let them go forward. And I can help inform the ministry with the wisdom of my years, successes, failures, things I've learned, et cetera. And I really believe this younger generation, 40 under, has a, uh, a, a new mandate from God. It's a changing world. It's going to require fresh insights, creativity, new approaches. And I saw that. And so I thought, you know, what a privilege to step behind them and give them the benefit of now for me 40 years of wisdom and experience uh, and help them step forward, not for their sake, but for the sake of the kingdom and God's church. And so today, I spend my days, my evenings on the phone with young ministers, coaching them, helping them. And this has been the greatest time of ministry in my life. And in 40 years, it really has been. It's so amazing. And it's very humbling to think that 
for every year that I've been alive, you have been in ministry. And that means that I have a lot to learn. And I'm in the seat of learning today. And so is so many of my friends. Um, I think that we need to hear from you on this subject. It's something that, that you're passionate about. You want to keep us in the game, as you right. say. Right. So uh, let's just start off with some definition of terms. What is burnout? Simple uh, definition would be a worn out soul. Um, we have stresses in life, stressors, I call them. Some of them, though, are actually good. They help us. They propel us forward. But many of them are negative, and they have this uh, wearing on our souls thing. Think of, of good, strong wool. I was in Scotland years ago and saw this tartan wool made. It's a beautiful process to watch. You take a piece of wool and stretch it and just rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it. Over time, it wears thin. Now, it's still wool, but it's worn thin. But no longer can it bear weight, support. No longer does it warm or give comfort. And that's what happens through burnout. Uh, it just wears on our souls till we are no longer able to 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 thrive where we once were thriving in ministry now the goal is survival um we have mental exhaustion emotional exhaustion physical maybe even uh, spiritual exhaustion so for me burnout is really just a worn out soul and it's heartbreaking to think that many of at least the statistics show us that many of my peers uh and younger those called and passionate for the ministry uh, many times quit as a result of this burnout within the first five years. Right. It's a larger number than we realize. One thing I do is track the nominations, the numbers of ministers under 40, and we're not making gains. We're not making gains. We actually have now fewer ministers per adherent than we had five, 10 years ago. And it's something we have to give attention to. Because again, young ministers today are just as called, just as qualified as my generation. It's a changed world. It's a harder world to pastor in. I remember when I began, one of my mentors told me, he said, Alan, if I were going into ministry today, okay, rather than 30 years ago, I'm not sure I could do it. Things have so changed in the world and the church. And now 30 years later, 40 years later, I find myself looking at a much different world in church. It's much harder for the young minister today than it was for me 40 years ago. And I mean that very sincerely. So therefore, we have to step in the gap with them and support them as they take on a very difficult task. I'm probably going to ask you a loaded question here. and It might be too multifaceted to, right. uh, to fully uh, flesh out in this conversation. But as you spoke there, the generation before you said basically what you feel right now in that if I were going into ministry today, I don't know that I could do it because it's more difficult. Why? Why do you think it's more difficult today than in the time you entered ministry? I'll give you two primaries, one cultural, one church. First of all, cultural. When I was a young minister, and that was back in the suit and tie times, I'd walk in the bank. None of these people attended my church, but when I walked in the bank, everyone said, good morning, Reverend Baker. I'm 25 years of age. Good morning, Reverend Baker. There was respect for the church and for the minister that is not there today. There is even now in the culture many times uh, an animosity, an anti-factor for the, the local pastor, local church. Within the church, back in those days, there was more of a vertical aspect 
where people felt the pastor uh, stood in the stead of Jesus and said, thus saith the Lord, and people, their initial response was to trust, believe, walk with. Today, that's greatly changed. You don't have the same immediate instinctive response to say yes. Now it's a look back and say, wait a minute, let me think about that. Now there's a positive to that. We understand that, but the, the trust factor is not the same for the minister it used to be. And I think it's because of the cultural uh, effect. And also, let's be honest, we as ministers have not really lived up to the biblical standard of integrity. Uh, my generation especially, we go back to the 80s, some of the big names that, that fell hard had a huge effect upon people. Can I really trust my pastor to be a man of integrity? Not perfect. None of us are perfect, but integrity is wholeness. You know, integrity, integer, whole number. Is my pastor the, the not perfect? Is he at least a man of integrity? And I think that's greatly questioned today, often without reason, but sometimes with reason. So we've got some work to do as pastors. We really do. But we can do it. We can do it. And I would even zoom out and say that much of culture feels the same way, not just to the church, but to our politicians, oh, yes. to our business leaders. In almost every sector, I think my generation and younger, um, we'll even just say younger millennials and Gen Z especially, because I'm not a young millennial, I'm an older millennial. Right. Uh, and there's a big difference between those born in the mid eighties, those born in the mid nineties and the late nineties, just huge differences. But um, we'll say young millennials and Gen Z, they have that same level of skepticism to just about every sector of life, be it art, business, um, politics, church. They just don't trust very easily. Right. And I think that that broader scope of the cultural understanding is what what we have to face every day as young ministers. Is that about right? Yes. Uh, but if I can take it even further, if you Do will, yeah. I think God's also stationed your generation real well, your generation, because when I went to CBC, I was just blown away by this desire for relationship. Going in, I've been told that your generation, a little younger than you actually, five years younger, 10 years younger, would not do relationship with mentors. I call that vertical. And really, we're not into deep relationships with their peers. I found the opposite to be true. So I think the millennial generation is well staged to bring back a New Testament virtue of community, yes. doing the faith together. We have a guy in Journey who actually left a position. It's very book of Acts. He wants to go out in the world and just meet his neighbors, know his neighbors, know people around him, and share Jesus with them and start missional community. So your generation, I think, can help bridge that gap and bring real trust back into the church in Jesus Christ. So I, I think we're sitting on something, opportunity here anyway. I think we are. Yeah, and that opportunity of mentorship, I want you to dive a little deeper into there because I think as we were talking offline, you indicated that that relational uh, connection with the older generation is one of the biggest pieces to avoiding burnout. Right, right. Well, again, we have the wear and tear in our souls. I mean, 40 years, I've taken my hits. That's not a pat in the back, because some of them are around fault. I mean, I, the, the best qualifier of a pastoral coach is he knows, he knows failure. I mean, think about that. 
Yeah. He's not someone who knows it all. He's someone who's experienced a lot, but he's gotten back up and gone on. Amen. And so when a young minister gets hit and gets hit hard, he looks around and he's numb, he's hurting, doesn't know what to do. But if he has a hand to reach out to and say, it's okay, I've been there, I understand. That's all he has to have. My job as a mentor is not to teach him, but to keep him on the field of play and have right perspective. God is still God. I'm still created by God with my strength and weaknesses. I'm still called by God to this task in this powerful name of Jesus. I can do that if I have this older, you know, wiser hand to walk with me. People did it with me. That's why I'm here today. And now it's my turn to do it with others. Amen. So with, uh, with mentorship being a key aspect in avoiding burnout, give us two or three more things we should be doing to avoid falling into that trap. Well, I also believe in peer mentorship. It's one of the secret weapons of journey. I think if we can walk with a, a vertical mentor who's been farther down the road, that's number one. Number two, walk with those who are in a similar station in life, going through some of the same kinds of experiences as I am. That helps us to get, again, additional perspective. My situation is not unique. Others are going through the same things and they're making it. How are you doing it? Share with me what you're learning. I've also found the fire of that. See, fire has heat that warms us, but also light. And both are required. So sometimes I'm talking with it, Pastor Daniel Day, my peer, maybe I'm you know, your age, and we talk over things. We don't fix anything, but then the warmth of walking you know, with Jesus, like the Emmaus Road disciples again, we yeah. feel that hope springs up. <sighs> Did not our hearts burn? as we walked along the way and Jesus came down and opened things up to us. So I believe in the peer aspect also. I think on a practical level, we need to start at ground zero and go to resources and get a real, take a real good hard look at where we are. I have a great resource that I recommend all the time to our guys, Preventing Ministry Failure by uh, Wilson and Hoffman. And it includes a great inventory on stressors. Many of your, your uh, followers may have seen these. You actually take a test and it weights the stresses based upon the severity uh, that they have, like the death of, of a mate, you know, is a very high one, changing a job, uh, birth of a baby, vacations. These are all stressors. You take the inventory, it tells you where you are. Now, don't just sit on that. Take that inventory to a mentor, a denominational leader. Uh, maybe even to a counselor and let them walk with you how you can make some changes in your life. Very critical. Another thing to do is I think we have to be honest with ourselves. One thing ministers sometimes aren't good at doing is denying the, the pain that we feel, hmm. the anxieties we feel, the yeah. hurts we feel. No, no, you know, men of faith don't do that. Yeah. Right. And so we, we try to deny it, push it aside, but it will not go away. These things dog our soul. They wear on the wool. We have to get an awareness of who we are. Then we go to the mentor and we dare to be transparent. We dare to open up. I mean, one of the things I love about Journey is my guys come to the phone and they're totally open. There's no subject that we're not allowed to go into. I'm allowed to point blank ask them any question about anything. And once they take that risk and jump out there with me, they come to love it. Because now they realize, first of all, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to have temptation. It's okay to have pain. Because then we process that. Some things uh, I do encourage them to seek counseling on. 
uh, people who can walk with them in stronger, more precise ways, clinical ways. Uh, so those are some things that I, I uh, walk with people in all the time, how we can deal with uh, the stressors in our life. It's so good. And it's so true that yeah. we need all of these things. And, you know, as you were talking there, um, I'd like for you to unpack another idea that came to my mind as you were visiting with me a moment ago. And sometimes we as ministers, we have a very difficult time. And I know this is both hands up here. I'm guilty as charged. I actually really like what I do. I love it. Like I love doing what I do. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Not saying it's not hard. It is. Ministry is hard, but I love it. And um, I have a hard time unplugging. And for me, a vacation, okay, let's, I just went on a a vacation to St. Augustine, Florida. It's beautiful. I loved it. Um, But for a week, I'm, I'm there in one of the most beautiful spots in Florida. And every day, at least at some point during the day, I'm actually missing what I do. (laughs) It's probably weird. Um, But I, it's hard. It's difficult to unplug. That can be positive or negative. In my case, um, I like what I do, so I miss it when I'm gone. Um, Other people, maybe they feel they can't unplug because they're afraid it'll all fall to pieces when they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in neither situation, uh, it's probably not very healthy to not be able to unplug. So would you just talk a little bit more about the need and how can we, I mean, speak to me, brother, how can I, <laughs> how can I unplug a bit? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, a challenge. I remember reading years ago, Exodus 18, you know, Moses is leading this ragtag band of people to the promised land. Goal is get them to the promised land, but there's a greater goal. And that is to take those who were slaves and turn them into sons of God, which is what they were. They just didn't know it. So along the way, Moses steps in. He's a member in Exodus 18 from morning till night. He's handling all the problems. In comes the father-in-law. Don't you love that mentor thing again? He steps in and says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. Not good. (laughs) All day, all night, and really what you're doing is wearing yourself out and the people. Mm -hmm. And what he doesn't mention is they've also stopped moving toward the promised land. They're sinking their tent stakes down deeper in the desert and calling it normal life. Wow. And that's what we do in ministry when we focus all the time on ministry. We think we're on task, but what we're really doing is sinking our, our tent stakes down into the ministry. When our real focus in life, our first ministry, is not what we do for Jesus. It's a ministry to Jesus and from Jesus. That's so good. So good. We're supposed to live in relationship with him, and then from that relationship flow in ministry to others in our calling. Now, you're called to be a pastor. Maybe a friend of yours is called to be a writer. This is the same dynamic. We come in relationship with him, and from that dynamic, it flows out through our individual callings. That's true of the plumber. Yeah. I mean, Martin Luther reminded us of that. It's true of the plumber, the teacher, the housewife, whoever it may be. So one thing we talk a lot about at Journey is the need to live a Sabbath life. 
before I'm a minister, before I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather of three beautiful granddaughters, by the way, uh, I want to live a Sabbath life. Look at the life of Jesus. What really marks his life ministry is that Sabbath life. He was a very busy individual, always about the Father's work, yet his life was marked by Sabbath rest. They're throwing stones at him. The Pharisees are looking for ways to kill him. They're making, you know, these uh, alliances with the Romans to kill Jesus. But the whole time, he walks in this great Sabbath rest. How did he do that? He went away with the Father. But when he came back from it, he didn't come from the Father to the people. He came in the Father, with the Father, to the people. They saw that peace, and it defined his life. He was able to separate from ministry to people to be with the Father, or if you will, Pastor, with family. Yeah. Right? Uh, a son, a daughter, a wife. And that is how we rejuvenate our souls and walk in Sabbath, Sabbath health. So we really have the mandate to, to leave, if you will, the tent stakes and make sure we stay on target, on task. And that's primary ministry to the Father from the Father. So let's talk about another element there when Jethro came in to Moses's uh, situation. Moses had sent away his wife and kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that, that term sent away, uh, I, I'm not saying that I have a firm authority to say that Moses was divorced, <laughs> but right. same term. Um, so Moses had sent away his wife and kids back home to Jethro. Jethro is like, what are you guys doing here? Where's your husband? He comes back, says, here's your wife and kids. They're yours, you know? Uh, so being too plugged into the ministry, we might lose our family if we don't watch it. Speak to that for a moment. And maybe it was a part of the story at the end where he strikes the rock in anger. Yeah. Maybe his wife could have been to him a peer mentor in a wifely role. My wife, many times, she, well, she is. She's my primor, primary you know, mentor, sounding board, helpmeet. She'll say to me, Alan, this isn't good. You know, She's always helped me make adjustments. And maybe Moses would have, have made it if he had to help me by his side. You know, I've often said that uh, my ministry has gone forward, not because of me, but in spite of me. Uh, can we segue now to another element? And that is, I'd like for you to just give us some signposts, if you will. Uh, if these things are happening in our lives, uh, they're good indicators that we're either burned out or on a quick track to becoming burned out. Yeah. Uh, I talk in terms of the absence of positive, the presence of negatives. So by way of absence of positives, you're not walking with others. You're in isolation. That's a number one indicator to me that someone's on the track for burnout sooner or later. Uh, dead spiritual life. The word is work. Prayer life is not existent. Whatever you do is just purely mundane. There's no fire on the mountain when it comes to your word and prayer time. Uh, a big one for me, because I went through this years ago, was I noticed the things that gave me joy no longer gave me joy. I'm a guitarist. And when I play my guitar, it's, a, it's worship and joy, but you found yourself not wanting to do it. The things that gave you joy, fulfilled your creative nature, just didn't do it anymore. Uh, you lack personal meaning or fulfillment. What you're doing has no purpose. Who you are has no meaning. And finally, no passion. Passion should mark all that we do. 
Yeah. Passion for Jesus, passion for my wife, passion for my family, passion for ministry, passion for whatever. When passion is gone, the fire is gone. So there's, there's some uh, absence of positives. On the presence of negatives, uh, a lingering lethargy. You're just exhausted all the time. You sleep, but just can't get rest, if you will. Emotional irritability. You snap at people. Uh, you're sharp. You're impatient. Uh, that's always an indicator to me that someone, something's going on. I've even had people in the past check me on that. Alan, what's wrong? Something's going on. You're, you're too impatient. You're too irritable. Uh, number three, you're critical. Mm. You're always finding fault with others. And number four, you're cynical. Nothing's right. Everything's wrong. Indication they're a burnout. And finally, uh, depression. It's important that depression and burnout aren't the same thing. But depression can be an indicator. And along with that, watch for uh, poor sleep habits. If you find yourself unable to sleep well, wake up at night thinking about things, uh, or maybe a prolonged illness, you're always fighting colds and flus, things like that. So you need to also see a doctor. My doctor, every time I go, says, do you have peace in your life? Do you have joy in your life? Which I find very intriguing. He wants to look at my eyes as I answer. So watch for those things as well as, as indicators. Is it possible to be burned out only in one area of your life? I know that's not a question that maybe you've had time to think about, but you, you mentioned different aspects, spiritual, physical, mental, uh, family life, work life. You even mentioned your guitar, so recreational life. Is it possible for you to be burned out in one area of your life and not another? Others might disagree, but I think so. I'm thinking of marriages, for example. Uh, to be very candid, a lot of ministry marriages are not, are not what they could be. I know ministry marriages, they more or less stay together for the sake of the ministry. If they did what they wanted to do, they would separate. But because he or she is in ministry, they stay in. And it's, it's, it's a worn out soul. Yeah. Marriage is a soul. You know, the word says the two become one. Very real sense, you know, that's true. But when that's worn out, they can't bear it anymore. So they more or less just separate, but stay together. So yeah, I think so. And what might we do to rekindle some of those fires? I'm always a big one on intervention. Again, you have to, you have to put away your pride, put away your, your, your pain, your insecurity, and recognize that what you're living doesn't match the model. Now, I know none of us ever fully match the model, but again, I always talk in terms of direction over position. My position in Christ is, is set. I'm a son of God. Thank the Lord. Am I perfect? No, but my direction's good. My marriage is growing. My spiritual life is growing. My relational life is growing. When I recognize that's not happening, something's wrong. Yeah. That's called death. Death. Now think about that. It's called death. Mm -hmm. I'm living in death and calling it life. How can that be a place I want to stay? So rather than staying there in that pain, in that numbness, in that whatever, I need to seek intervention. That, again, as we're walking with a mentor, is so critical. I mean, on the phone with, with our members, I, I look for signs of, of burnout, of depression, of, of whatever. I try to find ways to get to them. While I can't fix them all, at least they're aware of them so they can get the help that they need from me, from peers, from maybe sometimes professionals as well. Yeah, so helpful. I want you to wind up our talk, take a few moments, speak to the person who is in the midst of burnout and, and give them a word of encouragement today. 
Yeah, again, first of all, I mean, come on, this is a tough life you're living. Yeah. Most of us, well, I think all of us know someone who's burned out in ministry. Mm-hmm. And most of us, if we haven't felt it here at the core, we've been burned out on the edges. So if this is so common among us, why do we treat it as some kind of a social disease? Yeah. We are to, to, you know, not talk about why are we then considered pariahs to be cast out of the camp? We should recognize it's very much a part of ministry life. Not that we want it or like it, but if it's so part of this, this thing we're in called ministry, let's treat it then. Let's take it as something to be dealt with in health and strength, not in fear. Okay. So, First of all, admit what you're going through. Take that test that I mentioned earlier. Find another one and then go to a mentor. Get the help you need. Dare to be open about it. There are guys my age, okay? I'm in my 60s now. There are guys in my age who wrestle with burnout. Some have just given up. Okay, I'm always encouraging them, talk to somebody. God has given you a Jeremiah 1.5 creation calling. Please don't waste it. Please don't waste it. It's about the kingdom. It's about people where they'll spend eternity. It's about your family, your church. It's about you and your soul as a son or daughter of God. So go to someone, get the help that you need. Um, I would also let your uh, followers know that sabbatical is really a lost art among us. We should talk more about sabbaticals. And there are even groups out there will help you to fund it. Hmm. Lily Endowment, for example, will actually help a church pay for an interim pastor during sabbatical. So your pastor can get the help that he needs, and the church also has quality pastoral care during that time. So don't say, I can't do it. It's not practical. Yes, it is. Your denominational lead at the state level can help you. Groups like Lily can help you. Mentors can help you. But please, 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 in the name of Jesus, I say it, talk to someone. Get the help that you need. God has you in for a lifetime, a lifetime creation and calling in Jesus' name. I know that your heart is towards my generation and younger ministers coming up so that they don't burn out within the first five years like many of the stats show us. Right. right. But take, take 60 seconds. Speak to the 70-year-old minister right now. What word of encouragement would you give to them with regards to the importance of them doing what you do in, in that you're emptying your cup, you're pouring it out into the next generation? Speak to the older minister for a moment. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there's a season. When I was young, that had a season. Run, go, do with energy. But now in this season of life, we have less of that kind of energy, but we have a depth to us. We have learned wisdom. We've walked in our own successes and failures and learned from them. This generation behind us needs to profit from that. The day comes I breathe my last. What happens to that wisdom right. if I've not passed it on? Could it not be that our primary ministry today is not so much being out front, but stepping behind and giving to the generation behind us so that not be lost. So I would say to join this incredible journey, look for young men to minister, mentor, excuse me, young women to mentor and help them as they step out to lead the church in, this, in this, these last days. So helpful. Thank you. I'd like for you to close us the way we began with a word of prayer and specifically, please pray for, ministers and leaders that are really struggling right now to keep their head above water, that the Holy Spirit would give them what they need today to keep going, keep putting fun, uh, putting one foot in front of the other, and to get the help that they need so they can be sustained. Yeah. 
Father, we thank you that you have counted us faithful, calling us into the ministry. The ministry is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about a God who so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But Lord, you've chosen to work through people. And that means those who believe on you would not perish in ministry, but have abundant life as they do it. I pray abundant life today and those who are listening. I pray abundant life. But even now, as one thinks he's beyond reach, even now, Holy Spirit, go to him, I pray. In the name of Jesus, go to him right now as he hears my voice. And he will now to himself say, this podcast, this, this interview is all for me. I know others watch it, but it was for me. I'm the one he's talking about. He's, he's identified me to a T. That's all about me. Lord, right now, reach into his heart and help him today, right now, pick up his phone and call someone. Call a denominational leader. Call a mentor. Call a friend. Talk to his wife or husband and get the help they need. Lord, you have called us to a lifetime calling. We are not to burn out in one season or at one church. But until Jesus comes, we are to be found faithfully laboring for the master. And Lord, doing so in health. Yes, even in hard places. History is filled with ministers who've labored in hard places. But Lord, always with a healthy soul. So Father, today, I pray for young ministers especially, that they will dare to take the risk and reach out for help. And I pray for older ministers like myself. Not that we know it all. We know brokenness. We know burnout. But Lord, through our experiences, wisdom can flow, your spirit can ignite a fire, and young ministers can be restored for a lifetime of living fully their creation and their calling. I thank you for great tools like this interview ministry that Pastor Daniel has, the life-giving ministry that it has. And I pray blessing upon it today as well, not for its own sake, but for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of ministers and churches and people around the world. I pray blessing upon it, your anointing, Father that ministers will come and they will hear and receive life. And so then go in Jesus' name and give life. It's in his name we pray this day. Amen. Amen. Pastor Baker, how can someone get a hold of you and learn more about Journey Pastoral Coaching? We're online at journeypastoralcoaching.com. Our website's there. Always updating it with... Uh, new article every other week we have other resources contact information is there as well um, you can also uh, through the website make contact with us uh, at our email address and we do have a facebook presence uh, journey pastoral coaching you can join that as well and sign up for those uh, weekly uh, blog uh, articles as well so that's the best way to get over this that's great well listen this conversation has been so helpful uh, to me and i'm sure our listeners, and I just want to say thank you for your time. Uh, this has truly been a joy. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. It's always great to be with you. It's iron sharpening iron. So I walk away stronger today, too.